before I went to prison, if you would have asked me, what's more important to you, money or freedom, right? Well, I would have told you freedom, except every single day I risked my freedom to make money. So like, you know, you can say all you want that freedom is, is you know, like I say that to this day, I say, man, freedom is probably my, my most valued core value. Well, you can tell me that you value freedom, but if you risk your freedom to make money, then you value money more than you value freedom. It's very practical. Yo, what is going on? And welcome to the talk with Murphy Wells. I'm, of course, him. And today, I have an amazing episode lined up for you. I have a person who, without whom this, pos- this podcast isn't possible, and a lot of things are not possible for me. Uh, of course, this is a podcast about business, entrepreneurship, and helping people tell their story. But when it comes to this guy in my life, the amount of different titles and different things that he plays a role of in my story is absolutely wild. Um, this is a guy who I was a coworker with. He was my manager. He got me back into going to live music. He convinced me to take a crucial step in my business. He taught me how to podcast. Uh, gave me my favorite coffee brand. I, I can't give this dude enough credit for who he is in my life. The fact that we're even in this sitting in this house together, but without further ado, my friend, a coach, a mentor, Mark Anthony Joe, my man. How's that for an intro? I'm him. You ain't. Okay. Uh, I, I I am him. No, no. Oh, hold on. You see, I knew you were gonna do that, and I rehearsed my exact response to that, and it's this. You may be all those things, but I'll always be him. But you will always be him. Okay. You can't be him right after I introduce myself as him. You right. All right. You right. I'm colloquially known. <laughs> you really are, bro. <laughs> the Instagram story I just posted was like the one and only him. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard, I know you've heard about me. Mm-hmm. I'm him. You know, and I just, I, I just, bro, my reputation one. precedes me. <laughs> yeah. There's three hymns. There's Kevin Gates, original him. He's him. There's Odell Beckham Jr., Eh. Odell Beckham Jr. introduced himself as him during the lineup of a football game. No, he didn't. Yes, he. I'm gonna throw some B-roll in right now of that happening. No way. They're literally on screen introducing themselves and where they went to college. Odell Beckham Jr. I'm him. Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma. Nick Chubb, Georgia. OBJ. I'm him. Uh, uh. It's real shit. Nah, Kevin Gates is so much more him than him. Yeah, there's levels to this, but I'm, I, <laughs> that's why I'm the smallest him. Got you. I have the most minimal amount of Got him. Got you. But in our circles, I mean, it's it's universally known. Yeah. Okay. So before I get off on a tangent of bullshit, <laughs> so I can feel it coming, give everyone a little idea of who you are, what you do, and uh, just a small condensed version of your story. Like, Man, that's what you just did. No, 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 no. I what introduced the- who you are in my life. Ah. Now, who, in your words... What is that little glimpse of your story? You know, I'm just an entrepreneur. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, a forever student, and um, and honestly, a believer in God. Entrepreneur, forever student, believer in God. Sort of on this path right now where I'm trying to do um, some cool things for City of St. Louis. Um, and 
yeah, I don't know, man. That's where I'm at right now. I got a coffee company called the Omen Coffee Company. I've got a podcast called the Good Omen Podcast. Um, and we do, I mean, if you're local, we do a whole bunch of really cool things around uh, the coffee company um, and the community that we're building there. We have a men's group. We have a women's group. We have a run club. We have uh, free group workouts that we put on. We do these things called Omen Socials. You can keep on, you know, be on the lookout for all of those things. Um, and to, you know, to catch those things or to get involved or to check us out, just uh, go to Omen Coffee Co. on Instagram, that Omen Coffee Co. Follow us on Instagram. Um, if you ever shoot a DM to our coffee company, that's me managing the account. So, um, so as you listen, you know, if anything intrigues you, if you got any questions, if you want to reach out, if you want to get involved, you want to be a part of what we're doing, um, just reach out to me on, uh, Omen Coffee Co's Instagram. Very cool. It's, it is funny. Cause you mentioned that you run the, <laughs> you run the Omen page. Like mm-hmm. I was like, it only could be like one of like two people. And like with some of the stories that get reacted to, I'm like, yeah, that's got to be more. Oh, that's definitely me. Like I'd be posting some politically incorrect stuff or something just heinous, and my <laughs> like fire. It's funny, man. I almost I almost changed our Instagram bio to conservative coffee shop, um, just to be like super confrontational. But the only reason I I mean sometimes I you know sometimes the the fight is worth it. But the only reason I didn't was because that wouldn't necessarily be accurate. I don't really yeah. consider myself a conservative. Um, kind of depends on what you ask me about but i just like the idea that other people wouldn't like it you know mm-hmm. so i was like fuck man maybe i'll just start some trouble but anyway <laughs> i mean dude look you and i have known each other for almost five years and in that five years we we were able to determine that there are three types of competitors there are a people who like to win their objective is no matter what at all costs win like i'm going to be a winner we, yeah. we know a guy like that yeah. You know the guy. Yeah, I know the guy. I know a couple guys like that. I know many guys like yeah. that. But with these people, winning is everything. Then there are people who hate to lose. The people who hate to lose. I know a guy like that. Who's that guy? I would say that's Andy. Oh, no, no. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd say Andy. Warren, he loves to win? Andy is a hate to lose. That's yeah. a, I'm going to ask him, but I would say Andy is a hate. My assessment, Andy's a hate to lose. Yeah. He will not like. It's not about. I was saying he was the love to win. Potentially, I think Sal's a love to win guy. Oh, yeah. I think Sal's a love to win. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, there's the normal binary people think of. You're right. You're right. But then we created another one. And then there's the third competitor who just likes to beat people. Mm -hmm. Now, you may think that this is winning, but it's not. (laughs) Because the competitor who likes to beat people will single out one person. And it doesn't matter if he loses like a team event. He's just out to do better than that one person. Yeah. And so that the, the intro, the conservative coffee shop, I'm like, oh, he decided just to come in and choose violence today. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yo, that was the funniest thing ever when you brought that up to me. Cause I never thought about it that way. Like one day we were just, I don't know, we, we were like filming or something one day and cause Murph, Murph does a lot of, you know, a lot of um, content projects with me. And he's like, man, you know what I've been thinking about? Man, you know how Andy always says there's two kinds of people, people that love to win, people that hate to lose. He's like, I think there's actually three people. There's some people that just like to beat motherfuckers. That's you. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I couldn't, yo, I, I never thought about it that way, but it's 100% true. Like, yeah. I, you know, especially if you, you know, especially if you plant that seed of, like, motivation, you give me any bit of motivation to beat you, and it's over. It's over. This is this is true because when we work together at First Form, we do these things called team workouts. Oh yeah, and it's just like it sounds like a benign thing, you know, yeah. team workouts. 
what could it be? You know, a little bit of CrossFit. No, these were like, these were just like group discipline exposés and every single one of them, you walked away with a lesson. Some people walked away <laughs> hurting. hurting. Yeah. Some people walked away queasy and throwing up. Yeah. I threw up no less five of them, but remember the one we did out back and we, it was uh, one, one all about running. Worst one. I actually didn't hate that one because it was simple. Nah, that was the worst one. But well, you know why it was the worst one? It's, it's, it's the worst for the one that goes the hardest. And so there was, what, 50 <laughs> of us out there? Yeah. So this department of ours was, like, 50 people big. And effect- effectively, we were just running suicides for, like, an hour. Am I wrong? Yeah, just sprints. That's it. It was just running. And it was nothing but your best. Like, mm-hmm. if you were not gassing out at the end, you were not running hard enough. Yeah. And basically, it just kind of went down section by section of people. Another percentage would drop off. Another percentage would drop off. Well, it was like it was like if you win, you stay. If you lost, yeah. you 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 you're out. Yeah. And so, you know, one group after another after another, maybe like five six people at a time. Just the winner stays, and everybody else drops. The winner stays, everybody else drops, and yeah. And the last five people was all studs. All studs. All studs. One of them I didn't expect. And if you ever watched this, it was Jay Algier. He was like in the last five. Yeah, he was. He was. He was trucking that day. I mean him. Who else? Who else was it? Will 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 Grumpke. Um, I believe my brother. Yeah, your brother was there. My brother, Will Grumpke, JLG, TJ. That was the last five. All leaders. Yeah, all these all all savages. All savage. Yeah, no, Chaz wasn't in that. Chaz Chaz wasn't built for that. No, he's not built for that. But out of those five guys, which one of them is the most incredible hybrid athlete I think I've ever seen, which is Will. Same, same, and I've and and now at this point I've run. Um, I I mean I've run sanctioned ultras yeah. and like run with some real serious runners. Uh huh. Bro, disgusting. Will Grumpke is built different. I I'm 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 dead serious. I t- I think I told him this actually. So I I had stayed away from I hadn't I hadn't visited First Form for at least a year and a half when I left. I just recently went back for the first time. I say recently, several months ago now, but um, for Summer Smash. And then I I can't remember if the Blake Snyder workout was before or after that. I believe it was actually after because it was right. It was a, it was a weekend of fall fest. Mm -hmm. I go for the Blake Snyder workout and I saw Will and it was first time I spoke to him in like two years, to be honest. And I used to be really close to Will, but I saw him and I told him straight up like, Hey man, you know, I was running this ultra and I was thinking about you. Like, I swear I was like thinking these dudes, like I like, like, if I need some motivation, I don't think about David Goggins. I don't think, for real. I, and I met David Goggins. I, I don't think about Chad Wright. I met Chad Wright. I yeah. ran with Chad Wright. Yeah. I don't think, I think about Will Grumpke. Oh. He, Will, Will. Will's him. Will is him. Will is him. I will put Will up against both of the people I just mentioned. I believe it. It's a fact. And I, and I. But, but Will will be the first person to tell you he is not built different. Will will be the first person to tell you that he was a chubby kid. Wanted to be nah, a school teacher. Listen, man. Bro, I'm 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 gonna tell you. You could I, he could I ran the, 123 miles in 24 hours, and I'm gonna tell you, Will is built different. <laughs> I don't care. All right, all right. Will I'll, when you come on the show, you get to contest this. I will that's, die that's on that hill. You, I don't care. So but that's one of the guys that was in the last quadrant of this competition, and yeah. it was like y'all busted. Well, well, you you skipped a part. First of all. I'm just saying you skipped an important two important details. One, I don't really like motherfuckers like that. Okay, so you know you narrow it down. I didn't even get to that. Oh, you narrow it down to 
you know, these dudes and and that's one that's one important detail. Second important detail is before we even ran, Sal Sal Fricello was like, All right, I got five hundred dollars for the person that wins this this <laughs> I got five hundred dollars for the person that wins this. I'm like, that. First of all, <laughs> So my man was fueled by pettiness, pettiness and greed. That's right. Out of all of these people who TJ played college football, Jay had long ass legs. Will was a crazy hybrid athlete. Your brother is. He's an athlete. This is fucking crazy. Those were the guys, but it was disgusting. And I remember, man, fucking Sal started giving that speech and you were just dying. Yeah. Oh, I was literally. So after you were talking about after. Yeah. Yeah. Sal. Sal. So we we finish up, and Sal's like, "All right, huddle up." You know, goes to give like a little talk to the whole group. You know, hey, you know, you guys all crushed it today. Blah blah blah. I'm on the ground, still wheezing, <laughs> like still wheezing, can't breathe. But I, I mean, won. Though. I won though. You yeah. did, yeah. And and that was one of those moments that stood out to me. I was just like, the the fierceness of a competitor means a lot. And I've seen that in you, in your approach to fitness and athletics. I've seen it in your leadership style. I've seen it with how you market Omen. And I think what it comes down to, because I've had so much proximity to you, especially in the last two years, is you're very values driven. And I've always really appreciated that about you. The, the day I met this man, he was by himself in a warehouse pushing a prowler at 5 a.m. and just fucking drenched in sweat. And I was just getting shown around first one for the first time. I'm like, yeah, I, I thought he, I thought you were a sponsored athlete. Pardon? Yeah. Yeah, I could use a sponsorship though. So you know, <laughs> also full of shit. Holla at me. <laughs> so when you think about the values that really drive you in business, in leadership, in marketing, omen, all those things, what your core values really are? Um, I would say freedom, health, um, community. In no particular order, except for I think freedom is sort of like my above all since I spent you know, five and a half years in prison. Um, you know, you, you really learn to appreciate freedom and the, you know, just the opportunity that each day presents when you spend five and a half years not being able to make your own decisions. But so I would say freedom, health, community. Um, and uh, service. I don't know if integrity is a core value, but in the way that I think about integrity, it is one of my core values. Like, um, so when I was in prison, I used to read a lot. I used to read so, so, so much. And this is just important. The other ones are sort of self-explanatory, right? Health, community, uh, service. Um, now, when I was in prison, I used to, I used to read a ton and I used to keep a dictionary next to me because there's a lot of words I don't know. Um, and I, and I read at a relatively high level, I, I suppose. So whenever I would come across a word that I didn't know, I mean, for, for all my life up until that point, if I came across a word I didn't know, I would just kind of like assume the meaning of it based on the context of the sentence. And you can pretty much get away with that. Um, when you're reading, uh, it's not important necessarily to know the exact definition of every word, but because I was in prison, I had nothing else to do. I just took the time to put whatever book I was reading down. Um, and if there was a word I didn't know, I would just pick up the dictionary and look it up. 
And so I was in the habit of doing that. And then eventually that evolved into like trying to learn one new word a day. And one day I came across the word integrity. And like I've heard the word integrity probably hundreds of times. And you can always assume the meaning of of the word integrity just based on the context in which people use it. And it seems pretty easy to assume the meaning, but I, I just, for shits and giggles, I, um, I decided to look it up. And so I looked up the word integrity, and I remember the definition. It said adherence to a code of morals and values. And um, I don't know, in that moment, it just seemed like it just made sense to me that there's no universal code of morality, right? So like code of morals and values it's kind of like person to person it's subjective it's relative to the person and um and so the word that really stuck out to me when i read that definition was the word adherence and so i thought about that for you know what seemed like forever but it was probably just a few minutes and i kept ringing that in my head adherence to a code of morals and values and it you know based on my interpretation of the of the definition i began to really shift the way that I think about what it means to be a person of integrity. And rather than like prior to reading that and prior to really spending time thinking about it, um, the people who I would have called people of integrity were people who they showed up in a way um, that reflected values that were very similar to mine, right? Like people who our, our code of morals and values were somewhat similar. I'd be like, man, that's a good person right there. That's a good dude because, you know, they basically confirmed or validated how I felt. Um, you know, people ought to act or show up. And so instead, you know, after that day, instead of looking for people who really displayed similar morals and values to mine, um, how I started characterizing a person of integrity was somebody who had taken the time to, you know, really define their own parameters, their own set of morals and values, and who uh, consistently adhered to them, right? So that word adherence. Um, and so now I, I feel like the essence of integrity is just consistency is somebody who shows up the same way all the time. They don't, you know, they're not a chameleon, you know, you, you sort of know what you can expect, you know what you're, you can get from them. Um, and it's cool because it's really broadened drastically broadened my perception of, you know, the, the potential demographic of people who I can consider a person of integrity, you know, and, and now it's less important to me that you, think, feel, and believe all the same things that I do, it's actually more important that you just are convicted in how you feel and that you consistently adhere to your own set of morals and values. That, you know, that began, um, you know, just, it just really, I think it, it really enriched my life to, start, to sort of uh, make that, that shift. And so for me, freedom, health, service, community, and integrity um, are really my five, like, Mean ones, you know. I want to be a person that is that is very consistent in the way I show up. As a person who is a part of your mission in some ways, yeah. You no, know, I, I mean, I, you contribute. Around, I've been around pretty much since the beginning, and with it, it's something that I've wanted to see it win because just someone who wants to go out and do something brick and mortar now, I think is awesome. Because in our in our age, our generation, everyone's an online entrepreneur, but actually go out there and do it the old-fashioned way, which still can have amazing results, especially with customer service. You go to businesses these days, and they don't know how to treat people. Anytime you walk into this man's coffee shop, people will be friendly to you. It's going to feel like home in yeah. no time, and the product is good. Important distinction, 
when I was coming up with the core values for the coffee shop, you know, I really wanted to, because like, really at the at the root of what we're trying to do with the coffee shop, okay, this is an easier way to say it, but at the root of what I'm trying to do with the coffee shop is to create a culture that if people embrace it, practice gratitude is the other one. Oh, and my favorite one, how the fuck can I forget my favorite one, is be eager to learn from failure. So with the coffee shop, I just had a meeting with my team about this like two days ago. No, probably longer than that, but this this past week. And one of the best uh, business books, or at least the most valuable to me business books that I've ever read. Do you know what, what's, the, what's the one that you've gotten the most value out of? Business book? Yeah, like business books, strictly a business, business book. Economics kind of business. Yeah. And that's, I'd have to really think on that one because I got a shelf full of them. Me too. But for me, I think one of the most valuable um, has been, actually, I'm re- the one I'm reading right now is definitely the most valuable. But prior to this was um, Good to Great. I just, t- I, just extra- I just took a lot out of it that, w- that began to be really practical for me in, all, in my first business, you know, in my career, and then now in this business. But in, in Good to Great, they talk about a hedgehog concept. And the hedgehog concept is, is how he characterizes it is essentially coming up with your hedgehog concept is asking yourself, what can we, what can we be the best at? Like, what can we do better than anybody else? And getting really clear on that and then really investing a lot in that. And it's not to say that you can never do other things too, but businesses that endure long-term that become like really just iconic brands, they do something better than anybody else. And so anyway, I introduced that concept to my team just recently. And I said, man, what's our hedgehog concept? Now, mind you, I have an idea of what I think our hedgehog concept, you know, could be and should be. But I really wanted to bring my team into it and, you know, give them an opportunity to come up with some of the verbiage that we use. I feel like language is very powerful when you're trying to create culture. And so without introducing my idea, we sort of, you know, had a group discussion about it and ended up coming with something that I really like. But the hedgehog concept, the thing that I think that we could do better than anybody else is creating a culture that enriches people's lives. Um, in other words, like whenever I'm, I'm, I'm introducing a concept, like we're just a coffee shop. So for us to have a men's group and a women's group and to have a run group and to have free group workouts and to throw neighborhood parties, like basically like, you know, these old school neighborhood barbecues and we had a Halloween party and we do, we do all kinds of crazy. It's like a block social. Exactly. So to do stuff like that is kind of out of the ordinary for a coffee shop. So whenever I have an idea or somebody proposes an idea, the only thing that I ask myself is like, if people buy into this concept, will their life be better because of it? Right. And so, um, with the hedgehog concept of, you know, what we, what we have the potential to do better than anybody is, is building a culture that enriches people's lives. If people buy into it, will their life be better because of it? So when we were approaching the core values, you know, it was really easy. I tried to, I tried to come up with a set of them that would be comprehensive enough to really like brush, brush onto every area of your life, you know, so from mindset, you know, some mindset ones like practice gratitude um, you know, be relentless in the pursuit of your, uh, personal potential to, um, be with your, be where your feet are, just be present, practice being present to some more practical ones, like be eager to learn from failure. Like that's a, a very tactical thing. And, um, 
And so I think that if people as a whole take that set, there's nine of them, if they take that set and they really like take them seriously and I, core values to me are just such a practical concept. Do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. Like for most people, they just think like core values are just these words on a wall. But like in reality, when you have, when you take the time to identify the things that are most important to you, your core values, how that helps you is when you come to a crossroads, you know, and you have like multiple different directions that, that you can go in, um, or you have like a decision to make and it's a difficult decision. You, you, you sort of, it's important to know what things you value, what things are most important to you and in which order do they take priority? Because a lot of times what you'll find is you'll be in a decision where you have conflicting values. You value both things. That's why it's hard for you to make the decision. So if you value both directions or both outcomes, you know, you're torn. Well, that's just literally a situation in which you have to ask yourself, you can value both of these things. You just can't value them the same amount because you have to make a decision. Which one do you value more? And that's where core values become very practical. Like I always use the example before I went to prison, if you would have asked me what's more important to you, money or freedom, right? Well, I would have told you freedom, except every single day I risked my freedom to make money. So like, you know, you can say all you want that freedom is, is, you know, like I say that to this day, I say, man, freedom is probably my, my most valued core value. Well, you can tell me that you value freedom, but if you risk your freedom to make money, then you value money more than you value freedom. It's very practical. It's very easy to see. So, um, so when, you know, you have like these set of core values, let's say, um, you know, be where your feet are. If you say, be eager to learn from failure, that's an easier one. So you're, you're, hesitating you're like man do i do i go for this right you have this idea like murph murph had this idea yo dude i think i i think i want to like just start my own media company i want to start doing filming and blah 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 blah. do all this stuff i'm talented i know how to use you know my cameras i know how to edit i've got the skill set i think i can do it i'm like well dude what the fuck are you waiting for you know what i mean like like his hesitation was rooted in you know, either fear or whatever, right? Fear of failure. That's where most people hesitate. That's why most people never actually take a chance. You know, it's not to say all of you are going to like achieve your, I'm not here to say that. I'm not like, I'm a realist. Like, you know, some of you might take a leap, you know, quit your job, go all in on something you're passionate about and fucking fail. That's fine. Um, It's fine. It'll suck, but it's fine. Like, my, with me putting, be eager to learn from failure as a core value. If you really internalize that, then you'll stop living your life in fear of failure and you'll take more chances. Like it's very practical. Um, and the more that you do that, the better the outcome, the more you'll learn, the faster you'll learn. So anyway, I tried to, with, with the coffee shops, core values, um, I really try to create a set that I think will enrich people's lives if they like internalize them. Yeah. And when you do speak on core values, it, it has given me a practical Almost like, you know, it's almost like the guardrails are up in life. Like I can bounce off this idea or I can bounce off that idea, but as long as I keep it with my core values, which you asked me in an exercise when we were on the same team together at first form to come up with values mm-hmm. and my five core values have not changed since then. Really? That's fine. Be sincere, be objective. One of them was conviction, live with conviction, yeah. but so on and so forth. I don't want to start going down that. I want to focus. Well, it's important for people to do that. Like it's interesting that. You ask me what are my core values and I can name my five, like my five core values. Like, yeah, they are written down in my notebook, but those ones that I brought up are the five that are written in my notebook. Like, you know, like I, I've done a lot of drugs in my day. So like, 
you know, Man. my memory's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but if I really dig, I can find them. And, you know, it's it's noteworthy that you know what your five core values are. And it's noteworthy that I know because I don't think that most people, if asked, I don't think that in five minutes they could come up with their five most valued core values and be confident about the list that they come up with. You know, they could probably come up with five, but they they might be the stereotypical family success, you know, yeah. that, but that's my point is I think, you know, just for the audience, um, just taking the time to really sit and think about it and, you know, understand the practicality of core values list all the, this is an exercise that we did in the men's group. We literally did this in the men's group. I started like, it was like the, first, second, or third meeting, because I think that this is a foundational exercise in a personal development journey, is taking the time before you even get started to ask yourself, what does the best version of myself look like? And then the next question is like, or one of the next questions is, what does that person value? What do they value? So you list a a really productive way to do this is list all of the stereotypical ones, list all the common ones, the things that come to your mind that, that society tells you you're supposed to value, right? So you know, that's where wealth and success and financial security and then, you know, family and, you know, freedom and all these things, health, all list all the, the, the most common ones and then challenge yourself to really introspect and come up with some unique ones that are particularly important to you just as a fruit of your life experience thus far, things that you've just come to value a lot. Um, and then, you know, try to create some sort of, um, hierarchy you know which ones are the most important come up with your top five and it's not to say that the rest of them are not important but again you can value two different things you can value like i think that what's happening in our society um socially like all the social tension what what's happening in our society culturally right now is there's a clash of values there's the traditional american values and they're being challenged by these you know, fairly new progressive progressive values. Like for example, like meritocracy is a traditional American value. Um, and inclusion is something that all, I think all of us value that. Like, like I, I fucking hate when I hear people on the internet say, Oh, you know, diversity and inclusion, blah, blah, blah. And they're not inclusive. Like, because the United States of America is literally the most diverse and inclusive country that has ever existed on the, the face, face of, of on multicultural the, on, the, on the face of the planet it's it, in the history of earth there's never been a more diverse or inclusive nation like, we haven't been a nation for 300 years it, exactly so anyway i digress but you know meritocracy is something that you know is a is a traditional american foundational value right a core value of america and so you know this social tension that's happening it's between people who who want inclusion to be a core value of america but what I say, you, you can value two different things. You just can't value them the same amount. And so when, when you put somebody, when you put a nation or you put a company or you put a person in a position where they have to choose between do I want to be inclusive or do I want to, you know, be meritocratic in, in the way that I proceed, right? You know, some people choose this, some people choose that. And, and when you guys see this happening on a big scale and you see, you know, these DEI initiatives and all this stuff, just understand that's actually what's happening is there are people, there's a whole group of people in America that are trying to replace the traditional American values with these progressive, you know, values. And I just, you know, who cares how I feel about, about that. But, um, 
But it, but that's the point I want to arrive at is that because of your core values and because of how you do business and because of how you carry yourself in the image, when you speak on things that today are considered controversial, it's because you are exemplifying your core values. One of mine is be objective, mm-hmm. be sincere, be a pragmatist. Mm-hmm. There are certain people you can't negotiate with. And those are the people who try to like run your name through the dirt or mm-hmm. try to meet you with opposition. And when you're met with those moments where you have to really test your merit, autocracy, when you're met with that ugly response from people who otherwise would have hurt you, talk about how you've handled it so far. Because I think that's important. A lot of people want to say things that maybe the more liberal downtown district would have something to say about it. Okay. And again, I don't have anything against liberals. Mm -hmm. I typically very much disagree with progressive people. But you are someone who... That's part of your story. And I well, think it's very important to talk about. I've, you know, I've had the cancel culture mob come after me several times. But, but what I will say is, is what, what, I, what I was just saying is how encouraging the audience to sit down and do this exercise. And it's helpful because now when people, you know, when people get really upset about some of the things that I say or, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to argue or debate with these people. I don't have to try to like convince them of my perspective, right? It's, I understand what's happening. I value, I'm going to just stick with the same example because it's easy because I already brought it up. So I I value meritocracy. I really do. I think I'm a capitalist. I think meritocracy above all, I'm competitive. I'm a winner. I operate like I am managing a sports team or something like that, right? I just want to win. And so I don't care what skin color you are. I don't care where you come from. I, I, I want, I want to, I want to play the best player, best player plays. I want to put in my A team all the time. And so for me, meritocracy just makes sense. Um, I also value inclusion, but I just don't value it as much. I, I really don't. I, you know, I'm somebody who comes from a lot of disadvantages in life. And I mean, I think, I mean, I hate even saying that because it's like, who the fuck cares, you know, kind of, but Apparently, a lot of people care. A lot of people care about where you started. Like, for me, where you start is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Like, you got an opportunity to live. You should just, like, get out there and make the best of what you got. But for a lot of people in America right now, they do care where you started. And for whatever reason, they, you know, they have convinced themselves or somebody's convinced them that life should should be fair. Um, and so, anyway, I value meritocracy. Um, and so, I'll you know, make a comment to answer your question. It's like the core values exercise that I was just sort of encouraging. It helps me a lot because I'm not, it's so easy when somebody attacks you to get sucked into a back and forth and, and this just turn into like a, this is how I feel. This is my perspective versus this is how you feel. And this is your perspective. It's irrelevant how you, it's irrelevant. Like I recognize it for what it is. What it is, is I value meritocracy and you value inclusion and we're not necessarily going to see eye to eye. And so I can just explain that to somebody and say, hey, it's not that because what they assume when they see my position on whatever is they assume that I either don't value inclusion at all or I even worse hate this person or have a personal vendetta against the person that, you know, in question. And when I can just really like logically help them understand that it's like, no, I actually value inclusion a lot. I, I really would love to find a solution in which you feel valued and included, you know, but also where I can honor all the hard, let's say all the hard work or whatever, all the, 
the merit that somebody, you know, behind somebody's opportunity, getting an opportunity, I, I would love to find a solution where I can make you feel valued and included, but also honor meritocracy at, at the same time. If you can help me find that solution, that'd be wonderful, you know, but if not, then I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a utilitarian in the sense that like, I'm just going to make the best decision for the, you know, that I can in, in, in an imperfect, in, a, in the absence of a perfect solution, I'm going to make the best decision I can. I'm going to fall back on my core values. So when I help them understand that, then it makes it less personal. It's not like, you know, like, hey, this is very simple for me. Like, I just have to ask myself, which one do I value more? And I value this one more. It's not to say that I don't value this. So that's helped me a lot because in the beginning, I would just, you know, you know, I would just kind of like light everybody on fire. Choose violence. Yeah, I would just choose violence. And so (laughs) for real, doing that exercise with the men's group, um, it really helped me a lot because now I'm like trying to have the conversation in a more civil and, and, and sort of political way. I'm someone who has been a part of a lot of those conversations. I've been in there in the comments sections, help with you. Oh yeah. And, I know. I appreciate it. And it's not even just, Oh, thank you. I appreciate the props. Yeah, no, but, I appreciate it. But it is that fact. I mean, Murph gets more likes on his comments than I do on my posts. I just, I say something that no one expected and then boom, I know 10,000 likes later. I know, but I can, I can always appreciate that because I feel that if more people stood up for, what they really believe in business, their businesses would do better. Maybe, maybe it's a hard path though. I've been thinking about that a lot, man. Like I, like for me in the, at the outset, I was banking on that and I still am. Like I still am. I'm still going to like, I'm still very, uh, uh, my business wears its values on its sleeve. Um, but it's also, man, it's also like, I've had a lot of, a lot of situations where like, my regular customers have told me like, yeah, I was, you know, my, my friends in town visiting or, um, or like, yeah, I started dating this new girl and yeah, I wanted to come to Omen. And they were like, nah, I'm not going to that place. I don't fuck. I don't, I don't support that guy. I don't support that company. So like part, you know, there's this saying track more flies with honey than shit or something like that. And so, um, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, like I've chosen violence um, several occasions and I would again, but there is something to be said about like sort of operating and being nice, you know, like, like Andy actually has a, a mantra that I always, you know, I, I think of it regularly. It's make friends, not enemies. It's very simple. Um, that's, um, what's their father's name? Big Jim, Jim, big Jim. That comes from big Jim. Jim. Yeah. Big Jim is make friends, not enemies, right? And so I've been thinking about that a lot, man. I, I made a couple missteps in the first year. Like, we're coming up on a year for Omen, so, um, but I, I, I did. I made a couple missteps. Like, I think I would, I would strongly encourage um, new business owners or even seasoned business owners to certainly, like, understand, like, what battles are willing are they willing to fight right because you, you shouldn't fight every battle not a, like there's several several things that i do care about but i stay out of those conversations for me the you know the conversation that's taking place around like the relation the, the overlap between the lgbtq community and the children of america uh is something that I don't know if it's because I'm in this season of life where I'm thinking about starting having kids and stuff like this, but like it, it bothers me a lot. Um, and so I do, I participate in those. Um, there's been just a few 
you know, sort of uh, battles, I guess you could say, that I've been willing to fight. But some of them I've proactively went out and started, like, engaging in a conversation where um, now with what I see that with what I see taking place at Omen in our culture and our community, like I wonder if I had just focused on building a culture that, you know, lives a certain way and instills confidence and conviction in my customers. If I could have like had the conversation without ever saying a word, you know what I mean? Like ultimately me participating in those conversations, it may, it may or may not make a big difference, but letting my customers know one customer at a time, you know, one interaction at a time, you know, first allowing them to see my intent, which is good, right? And the kind of person that I am and all this stuff. And then having those conversations one one at a time, like I, like I do in my coffee shop, I have conversations about, you know, society and politics and culture all the time. Um, and then letting them know if they feel the same way that I do about some of those things that they're not alone. And then, and then through the men's and women's groups and the personal development, instilling in them sort of the confidence and the courage to have those conversations, to stand up for their kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if doing it that route still capturing um you know all the same customers but plus the ones that right now won't come to my shop because truly like i'm not trying to be exclusive i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to like alienate the lgbtq community i just have a different opinion about some of the things that are taking place right i think it's worth mentioning that most people slap the words diversity inclusion the only equity I want to talk about is equity in a house. I'm not talking about social equity. Fuck social. Equity. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But when people say that, they use them as blanket statements. It's like, sure, I want to be diverse, but like how diverse is diverse? Because if it says that this room gets to have other people of other races, creeds, and colors present, absolutely. If you're going to tell me that someone who wants me to call them a minor attracted person gets yeah. to come around, I no, I, I have I have boundaries and I have standards. Yeah. And that's part of my core values is leave the kids alone. Yeah, and, and and I agree with you a thousand percent. And what I, something that I find myself saying a lot, though, a lot now, because I'm having to do damage control from some of the conversations again that I saw that these battles that I went out and just got myself in was, um, is I I am trying to create an actually inclusive environment, right? Like, and I'm 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 actually tolerant. Like that's that's the craziest shit. Is a lot of the people that attack me on the internet. They're like champions of, you know, tolerance and inclusion. But these are the most intolerant people I've ever met, I've ever interacted with in my entire life. You know, they're, they're only tolerant. If you think like them. If you think like them. They're only, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's so crazy because for me, like there has been uh, several, you know, trans people that come to my shop. And, they, and I have some that come regularly. Um, there's a lot, a lot of, of, you know, members of the LGBT community. Um, that come to my shop regularly and any one of them, any one of them could testify that like anytime they come, they, they can feel how grateful, you know, and, and appreciative I am that they come to my shop. I don't give a fuck. I, I don't, I don't care who they, I don't care what they do, but 
you know, so 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 what we were creating there is an actually inclusive environment, something where you can come. I don't care if you're if you're Democrat, Republican, gay, straight, trans, you know, if you're white, if you're black, I, I don't care. I, I the only thing that I care about is how you show up, how you treat other people. Can we have civil discussions with one another? I had a super long conversation with a dude that's from uh, Berkeley, California, you know, a couple of days ago. And like he's from a totally different world. And, you know, I'm from, and, and so, but a great discussion and, you know, we're both open-minded, both open to being convinced otherwise. And like, we're able to have productive conversations. That's what I care about a lot. And I care about how you treat people. And then when, you know, there's, there has to, that's the thing is everybody like, everybody has this like fantasy that there's, there's room for everybody's way of life you know and unfortunately and and i no, there but no well, well, i think i know where you're going and the answer is no there's not room for there, there's there's not exactly so you can be tolerant you can be inclusive but like we're still we still all live in the same community and so when you all live in the same community you have to come up with a set of shared you know boundaries like so to speak there has to be lines in the sand there's like hey you can do whatever you want, right? I'm going to use a really, really easy example for most people to understand. You could, you, we, we're, this is a free country. Well, let's just. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. But this is a free country. This is what they'll say, though. This is a free country. You can do whatever you want. Just don't kill anybody. Okay? That's something that we as citizens have all agreed upon that this is crossing the line. You can't assault anybody. You can't kill anybody, right? These are things. There's hard lines in the sand. If you do that, then you're exiled from our, our society, okay? It's just, this is like our rules. Well, there's other rules too. You can't, you, you, you can't sexually exploit a child. Like you can't do that, okay? Well, that's something that's always been a rule, right? It's always been a rule. We, we've kind of agreed upon that. It's being challenged more now than it ever has, but let's just say that that rule is still in place. But now because of the pr- progression of, of science, and, you know, sort of like some more progressive ideology. Now we have people that, for however, however it happened, they, they become convinced that it's okay to, like, mutilate or, or, or you know, um, castrate a child, right? Let, let a child undergo a permanent sex change. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, but, like, this is a discussion that we need to have. And just because I, I, I'm of the opinion that, hey, that's not appropriate, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm, it doesn't automatically negate my claim of being tolerant and inclusive. Like, that's where these people, like, they, they you know, they just, it, it's like one little detail. Like, it doesn't matter how you show up. It's so crazy. I don't know. I think something we can point to is uh, what is the temperature of the room right now? And the temperature of the room politically right now is very volatile. Someone's messing with the thermostat and throwing it up and down. And with a presidential election coming on, I think that this one already feels way different than the last one did. I think the temperature was is that the people who had something to complain about from the last era, they were being loud and they were making their voices heard. Well, now you do see the pendulum swinging back the other way. So your opinion with... I think the temperature of the room changing. What do you see on the horizons? What do you see you coming mean, next? Man. I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's really interesting because I do know 
that generally speaking, social media and the mainstream media and a lot of the media publications, um, the people who, again, generally speaking, control um, most of the media that we see um, seem to be... I, I, I can't tell if a lot more people than I think agree with some of the more progressive ideology or if it's just that the people who control most of the media outlets are propagating you know, are, and, and intentionally making it seem as if most people agree with the more progressive ideology. Now, I, I, I feel like it's the latter. I feel like it's just people who control the few, very few people who control the, the media outlets and, and most of what we see on the internet are in favor of um, the more progressive ideology or, or even, you know, that's best case scenario, being in favor of it personally. Worst case scenario is that they're intentionally trying to propagate, you know. I think the worst case scenario is more likely. I, okay, so worst case scenario, but I'm just trying to be, you know, fair here. Yeah. So worst case scenario, they're intentionally trying to propagate an ideology that is going to be self-destructive for us, right? And so... um and so irrespective of whichever one it is, um, I, I do think that um, there is going to, there's, there's going to have to be a day where, maybe not a day, but a period of time in which some of these um, debates are going to have to be decided. You know, like that's, and, and, and honestly, I'm also like, you know, I'm, I'm, not super well versed in history, but like I do know that like there's just some things happening on the political horizon that are like worry that, that are, are very worrisome. Like, um, you know, like Donald Trump being removed from presidential uh, ballot in in a couple states, and then now we got like three other states just as of today or yesterday. Three other states are are moving to remove um, Joe Biden from the ballot. You know, so like. This, yeah, this is just something that in a country where the people are supposed to choose the person that they want to rule them, like, shouldn't happen. It has happened once before in history, and it led to a civil war. So, like, I don't know, man. I I don't want to be. I'm not a. I'm actually general. I'm I'm for sure. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a. You know, I'm not even a prepper, which maybe I should be. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even a prepper. I'm not. I'm optimistic, but um. Yeah, but I just I just can't see. I I think that when some of these debates um are decided, that people are so invested in these conversations right now, um, that it's going to spark some some real tension, whether that's violence or, you know, just severe social unrest uh, and division. Um, I don't know. One thing I have considered, though, because I'm a solutions guy, you know, when I see problems, I really just, I don't really give a fuck. I don't, I don't want to sit around and talk about the problem all the time. I just want to figure out what's the solution. And so part that, that is largely uh, a big part of like what Omen Coffee is all about, right? Like I wanted to build it. I, I could easily start a coffee company. I could have started a coffee company for less than like $5,000. Okay. But instead I spent a couple hundred thousand dollars to open a coffee shop. And um, 
And the reason why, like a coffee company, I could have easily just been selling direct to consumer bags of coffee online, you know, and it probably would have been profitable in the first month or two. Right. In fact, I feel certain that it would have been profitable in the first two months because I, I know like we, you know, our first two months of sales would have turned a profit. So anyway, um, the reason why I opened a coffee shop is because I think that at the root of all the, the, the division and the social tension and the political and all this stuff at the root of it all is it, I think the internet is doing it to us. Like it, it's, it's not the same, like sitting, like sitting across the table in real life from somebody who feels drastically different than you do about a number of different things and having a conversation with them is almost always productive. It's almost always civil. It's almost like I can, you know, I love them. I love them. But the internet created an environment in which a lot of times you're only exposed to like a brief, you know, just one, a snapshot of how somebody feels about a specific issue. Oftentimes it's out of context. And so it elicits this, you know, seemingly equally antagonistic response. And then it creates a very unhealthy, you know, sort of back and forth. And so anyway, one, I think that if we just start talking to other people in real life again, that it can alleviate a lot of what we think exists, which is social tension and division, which it wouldn't be that difficult for people to come together and be like, you know what, but like I'm an atheist and you believe in God, but it's really not that big of a deal, dude. Let's just get our local economy on, on track and let's try to get crime under control around here. For, no, for real. Like, I have this thing that I talk about to the men's group about. It's called the rule of 95.5. And, you know, I think that when you live in a, a given environment with other people, like that's really all that matters. Like we get so caught up about what's happening in the country. But the truth is, like, if something happens in California right now, I don't really give a fuck. I don't, I don't I wouldn't know. It's like if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? No, it doesn't. I didn't hear I didn't hear anything. Right. So. So something happened in California right now. I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. The, the thing that I care about is what's happening in St. Louis, you know? And so when everybody in St. Louis gets together, like there may be some things that we disagree strongly about. Like we may disagree strongly about abortion. We may disagree strongly about what's going on in uh, Israel and, and Palestine. We may disagree strongly about, you know, trans rights or whatever. Okay. But the truth is 95% of what's in my best interest is also in your best interest. And because we both live here, let's just, Let's just let's just put our differences to the side for a second and let's get that 95% of things that are in both of our best interests. Let's get that situated. You know, what what things go in that bucket? Well, you know, um, the local economy and the local small business economy economy specifically. Let's put that in the bucket. OK, um, tax rates. All right. Let's put that in the bucket. Um, you know, our local schools, public and private, are they teaching our kids things that are useful and practical and valuable to them long term? OK, let's put that in the bucket. Um, you know, the infrastructure, let's put that in the bucket. Like, like there's so many things that can go in this bucket that like, honestly, crime, let's lower crime. Let's get, like, make sure people are getting convicted. Like, all those things go in the bucket. I think that that would happen if people start talking to each other in real life again. It's like, again, I'm a solutions guy. So when I see the problem, I'm just like, well, I don't fucking care to have this argument. Let's figure out how can we can make this work. So I genuinely believe that like within within individual towns, within individual states, within our country, for sure, that it's possible to just figure out like where are we going to do this, and where are we not going to do it, and just let people because then you might have you know 
like, of course, we're going to cross-pollinate. The Amish, they have all these businesses and they sell us their products. Like, there's cross-pollination for sure. There's, But, like, generally speaking, our civilization supports their township and their township supports our... There's this interdependency that happens. Native Americans, same thing. Unfortunately, a lot of what they do is produce tobacco and casinos, so they're just fucking killing us. But, like, it's fine. Like, they're, what they do complements us and we're, there's this interdependency that helps us so like that's something i've been thinking about a lot lately like why don't like why is that not something that we've been talking about because what one of my greatest one of my biggest goals in life is to buy like several thousand acres uh, enough land that i could literally completely isolate myself if i wanted to um where i could farm and become self-sufficient if i wanted to but then also like to like just let all my friends know like, hey, bro, here's where the land is at. If you want, you can come build your own house here and like have like a commune of sorts. Like that's for real. That's my biggest. That's my over. That's my biggest goal in life. That's what I'm working towards. And. In a situation like some people think that that's like, you know, doomsday or type shit, but it's not like I just want to be left alone and I want to be able to live how I want to live and I could create my own little fucking town. And not bother anybody and, and contribute to the world that our society as a whole and not bother, not bother nobody. And then, you know what, what you did out here, it wouldn't bother me at all. But like, we could easily do that as a, as a nation. Like it wouldn't take that much, you know? I mean, I guess you could say like, if you could take the populations of the big urban environments and you put them out into the rural area and gave them all like their own little individual suburbs or townships. For real, there's enough land. Like people, have you ever um, seen, there's that clip of Elon Musk. I don't know what show he's on or whatever, but he's talking about how like people talk about like there's not enough land or like we're over like no, there's a there's a lot. I've literally driven the country and I've seen it. My I've driven for hundreds of miles. Like oh, there's a stretch that I drove in Utah where it's over 100 miles as far as you can see in either direction. There's not a sign of life of there's, there's not a gas, there's nothing, not a gas station, not nothing in either direction. As far as you can look on either side, you're just driving. You don't, you don't, you don't come up to an exit, nothing. That, there's so much unhabited, you know, uh, uninhabited, uninhabited <laughs> land in the United States, but also in the world. Like, I don't know. And then, and then here's the deal. That's relevant, but it's actually not even that important because the truth is there's all this land that is inhabited, right? But like, it would just take a coordinated shift. Like, that's all it would take. Like we could, like the same amount of people could inhabit the same amount of land. We just had to be like, hey, you know, down here, this is what's happening over here. This is what's happening. Just put everybody on notice. It's kind of like how during COVID, you know, all of the reasonable people left California and moved to either Texas or Florida. Like for real, like literally Ron DeSantis basically <laughs> put everybody on notice and said, Hey, down here, we're not going to do the trans shit. We're not going to groom your children in school. And we're also not going to, you know, uh, shut down, you know, really destroy all of our local small business economy. We're going to let these, these people stay open. He put everybody on notice. He didn't say you have to, you, know, you have to come here. Nothing. He let everybody know this is how we're going to live down here. And everybody message received everybody that wanted to live that way. Fucking migrated to Florida. Like it's not that it's not that, Outlanded, but I can actually speak to this though because I I do see is if there's someone in this room that agrees with you in terms of some isolationist values, I am one of them. You know yeah. me. You, 
one thing about me, I'm gonna be at the house. I'm gonna be at the crib. Yeah. Okay. There. When you walked in here, was there anyone here? No. But that said, when you think about people who share some of the similar views we have in terms of leading with your honest, integral thoughts and being able to say it proudly, even in the face of opposition. Well, we know someone who lives in California who is on our wavelength. And what she said to me, not maybe recently, but within recent memory, was that if I leave, then that's another person who gave up on it being the way that I see it to be. She's from Southern California. She goes, if I give up on keeping this place at least somewhat, somewhat morally sound. You got to give up on that. It's already gone. You're talking, I mean... I mean, I mean, it, unless this person is completely irrational, every, I, I, every, everybody in America knows that California is like, it's like, you know. But also, I come from St. Louis, and St. Louis has been called the most dangerous city in the United States basically my whole life. And I think a lot of people would say, well, why don't we just wipe it in Chicago and Los Angeles all off the map? Yeah, but that's just news media propaganda. Like, come on. I mean, I've heard people say it in general conversation too, though. And so when I think about it, I'm like, I definitely like the idea of having some isolation to myself and really being able to have pure agency and pure autonomy. But I also remember that in a community much like this, where a lot of people disagree on a lot of subjects, I've learned a lot from those people too. Maybe I don't agree with them socially or politically, but it is that thing that allows me to keep myself in check is that there's how I think of, there's how I feel and then there's how things are. And I think you've been a great candidate for, this is how things are. Yeah. When I look at your different successes and when I look at the different things that have built your brand to what it is, I mean, bro, we could go over your childhood to all the stuff you did when you was going to shows to starting your first business and then going away and starting another business, getting out and coming to St. Louis. To me, it's like, I appreciate that so much in my life because that was something that I don't believe anyone really taught me in a way that you did. Mm-hmm. It's a big piece of getting shit done is being able to say, it doesn't matter how you feel. It does matter what you do. That's it. That's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm basically what I'm saying now. It doesn't, you know, like there's certain, you have to recognize when like, when there's, when there's not a perfect solution, right? Like if there's not a perfect solution, then going back to the utilitarian sort of outcome or, getting creative, getting innovative and coming up with a completely different solution that nobody even saw in the beginning. That's kind of what I'm saying now, but like, yeah, like what's the most good for the most amount of people? How can we solve this solution? It doesn't matter how you feel. I'm tired of talking about how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? Exactly right. It's, it's done a lot for me, man. And I remember the day that you hit me up and you're like, look, man, I got this crazy idea. Talking about wanting to shoot for people. Yeah. The thing that, thing that, really like kept me from wanting to go all in was that I had gotten so used to how life had been. Like we worked for the same company, which is a great company. We both still support mm-hmm. in varying degrees. I'm still involved in, uh, but it had just become what life had been to me. And it had been my whole culture at the time. And I'm trying to live my life and tell my story. And guys, if you need someone to inspire you with telling you like it is and getting things done and defying odds, and really not wanting any credit for it, this is a man to do it for. Being a part of your journey means a lot to me, man, because I wouldn't be the salesperson I am. I wouldn't be the visionary. That you still I can't am. sell shit. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, this man 
Whenever it was time to create teams, I heard a little rumor. It was like, yo, this dude, all he does is walk around the front parking lot and make calls. Uh, you'd be like, motherfucker, you got 40,000 steps a day, but what did you sell? Yeah. I was like, I'm cranking. You'd be like, you don't know what cranking is. You don't know what cranking is, man. All right. Uh, all right. Real quick. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, though. I really do, man. I, I really do. You, uh, and you're doing it. I don't know. Some, I think a lot about, like, what is what is the goal? What is the outcome? What is Mission. The, yeah, like what's the, what is you know I've when I used to when we used to work together I used to ask you guys this what is the outcome that you're trying to produce that's it what is that and so I think a lot about that question and it's interesting man I don't I don't really know I don't know the answer I I really don't like things that used to stress me out don't stress me out anymore like fear fear of failure doesn't stress me out anymore what does that mean what does failure mean like there's no end. Like, it's so, I don't know, like, that. when you've already lost everything that people, tip, most people spend their whole lives trying to accumulate, like, I always, th- I always say, like, you know, you know, your friends, the approval of your family, um, money, opportunity, possessions, like, those are the things. People, people, tr- people spend their whole lives trying to accumulate wealth, more opportunities, the approval of their friends, the approval of their family, um, you know. And so when I went to prison, I lost all that stuff. And then I found peace and happiness anyway. I, in my freedom, lost, I, well, I found pe- peace and happiness anyway. And so it kind, of, it kind of, you know, instilled in me that, like, the things that most people think are important or, like, the goal, um, they really don't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. And so, I don't know. And then. Like, people are really afraid to, like, lose it all. Like, they're afraid to lose all their money. They're afraid to lose their job. They're afraid to go into debt. They're afraid to become bankrupt. But it's like, it's not, dude, there's been points where through the Omen process that, like, I've just, like, like where I'm like, man, fuck, I'm out of money. I'm out of money. Not in business. We, we weren't open yet. And it just seemed like it was over. But, like, in, in, in those moments, you feel like the whole world is going to end. Like, oh, man, it's over. You know, but like what's over? It's actually not over because tomorrow you wake up again and you're like, fuck, man. Okay, well, what do I do today? Just the first day of a new level of hard. Yeah. And it's, and, but it's, confu- it's confusing. Like yeah. I, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely lost in, 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 you know, trying to answer that question because I just, I don't know. I don't know. It, there's no end. And, and so the things that used to stress me out, they don't stress me out anymore. But I also don't have like a definitive answer to like, what is the outcome that I'm trying to produce? Like, what's the point of it all? It's really interesting. I think one of the cool things, though, is that what that situation teaches you and how it plays out is the story of Omen. did prioritize community instead of revenue. That it's tough, and it definitely was a headache, and you probably were stressed to shit. Yeah. But as far as being built for the journey. I now, am still stressed to shit. <laughs> I know. I spend time with you. For real. I've been seeing some grays. Yeah. Gold. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's definitely progress. Like I have a team now. I've got employees. Like I've got a pretty, a pretty you seven thousand follows on Instagram. Eh, yeah, not enough. Go follow us on Instagram. But I've, <laughs> I've got a, Lincoln bio. I've got a pretty like you know solid core customer base. Now, but but like I mentioned earlier, like I've I've made some big mistakes, man. It kind of pissed me off. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, our very first month selling coffee online, we we sold five figures of coffee. Well, 
at one point I had to completely rebuild the website on a totally different platform. So all of our online coffee subscriptions that we had built up, we had to completely cancel them and start from scratch again. So like basically I went from selling, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, $14,000 worth of coffee every month to like then starting back from zero and having to rebuild the online coffee, you know, uh, program again. So anyway, if you're listening to this, go buy some Omen, drink, drink it at home. <laughs> Yeah, we make we genuinely do. We genuinely have the best coffee I've ever had. Like, like it depends on you know what this your preference. This is not an ad. This is not an ad. This is not an ad. But it depends on what your preference is. But like you know what we do, I, we have an Ethiopia. It's called Alchemy. But we have an Ethiopia that's like our standard. It's also by far our most popular roast. But that roast of coffee is my favorite coffee that I've ever drank. And and I I literally created it to be like what I consider a perfect cup of coffee. And when you start with a blank slate and you can literally create whatever the fuck coffee you want from whatever region, how it roasted at whatever temperature, whatever darkness or lightness, like why would you not create what you consider the perfect cup of coffee? So anyway, it is the best coffee I've ever drank. Ethiopia, the alchemy, it's fucking amazing. And then if you ever order it, just know that we roast and ship our coffee on the same day. So I'm literally sending you a bag of coffee that got roasted that morning and I'm sending you it that evening. So, um, so it's some of the freshest coffee you can buy anywhere. Uh, and how I went through that process, because a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of higher end coffees, like what you were just holding up, that's a, a higher end coffee. It's a naturally processed. It's kind of like a, it's not rare, but it's more exclusive. Um, more expensive bean for sure. Um, and so a lot of higher end coffees, a lot of like regular everyday coffee drinkers actually don't like them. Like you get into the higher end stuff and it's very fruity, very flavorful. It doesn't, you know, it has like a, it, it, it takes, almost ceases to be coffee. Yeah. Like it has an experience that's like a cross between tea and coffee, you know, it's like, what the fuck is this? You know? <laughs> so when we were, so when I was making alchemy, the one that I think is, it's by far our most popular, it's by far the best. I'm like, dude, I'm like working with my roaster and I'm like, dude, I need a regular ass cup of coffee. Like I need like regular ass coffee. Like, 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 yeah, exactly. Like, like I wanted, (laughs) I wanted to be immediately recognizable as coffee, but good coffee. Like, so I'm like, think like fucking Folgers, but like, if Folgers is like some personality, exactly. Well, (laughs) if Folgers is like a level one or two or whatever, if Folgers is low standard, let's take the high standard version of Folgers, you know? And, and so I feel really good about it. I feel confident that like literally any coffee drinker, no matter what your preference is, you can taste that and you'd be like, that's a good cup of coffee. Like, that's it. That's the only thing you think. You don't think, oh, there's hints of cherry. In the <laughs> no, you're like, that's a that's a damn fine cup of coffee, you know. You know what's great about you comparing it to Folgers? What that that bag of coffee is for my parents, and they drink Folgers. Man, yeah. you got to get them alchemy. <laughs> They're gonna like that one. There weren't any alchemy at the, at the shop. Today. I got you. I got some, what at the shop today? Yeah, what? yes, there was. I didn't see it. Come on, man. Come on, man. I always keep alchemy on deck. I stays ready. Yeah, I stay ready. So I'll get ready. <laughs> well, before we go, tis customary on the show. Uh, I have my guest ask me a question about anything. Oh, nice. Shallow, personal, business, anything. Anything. You know, I, I, um, I just went through this exercise with the, um, with the men at the men's group. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I'll ask you. Uh, yeah, I participate there. Yeah, I'll ask you what I asked them, which is like, okay, it's a multi-part question, but uh, since it was the last meeting of the year, um, we have a journaling prompt that we do every every men's group. It's not the same. Every men's group, we have a journaling prompt. And this, uh, this meeting, uh, since it was the last meeting of the year, we were looking ahead at 2024. And so the question was like, hey, what's one big, um, you know, career or, um, or business or career goal? What's one big business or career goal that you have? What's one big personal, you know, personal goal? Um, and then uh, I, I think it's very, very, I'm in the habit of like, you know, doing these like what some people would consider extreme physical challenges. Um, I think it's very healthy for people to, you know, get really uncomfortable at least once a year. And so what's that one, what's that one thing that you're going to do in 2024 that's going to make you get really uncomfortable, but it lead to a lot of personal growth. So what are those, what are the answers to those three? I've, I've played with business credit. I've played with personal credit and it's done a lot of good things for me and I'm ahead of schedule on getting on top of it. But for me to feel truly free, I want to know that I don't have to keep it around. Yeah. I think I've got the plan in place to get that taken care of very, very quickly on a personal level. It's, it's, it's trying to have less attachments. I've realized that a lot of people in my life have often prioritized the happiness and well-being of others in spite of their own happiness, well-being, progress, success, I can't do that anymore. On a personal level, really trying to drop the attachments and just trying to be appreciative for things what they are. Because to me, I get possessive. Yeah, that's it's hard for me to admit. Yeah, it's really um, that's really actually um, it's a it's a it's really powerful um, and it's really mature, um, really self-aware to. It's a really awesome goal because I think that one of my superpowers, if I have one, is like I can operate in a way that's very detached. Um, Detach emotion. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah. Quote: I don't like motherfuckers. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I mean it's just irrelevant. Like it's irrelevant how I feel. Really, you know, it's you know standards are standards. That's something that I've been harping on a lot lately. Like it's it's irrelevant how I feel. Like at the end of the day, decisions have consequences. Standards are standards. They're all things that you have to take into account. And if you can if you can detach emotionally and just make the right decision, the right call for you and your standards and your integrity, irrespective of the nature of the relationship between you and all the people that affect are affected by whatever decisions you have to make, man, it's a superpower. It really is. But that's that's awesome. Okay, what about the last one? What's gonna be the big challenge, the Masogi? So I, I think in a way you could have two answers for this. I've done up till phase two successfully. I've never tried phase three. So in what one, is phase three? Just another 30, it's like phase 30, one, 30 days of 75 hour. It's another 30 days. It's like phase one, but also on top of that, you have to do act of kindness. You have to start with random conversation with a stranger a day. I think you have five critical tasks added on to everything instead of just three. Got it. That's one thing because that is over half a year of just like two workouts a day, but I'm not counting that as the thing for me. I, 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 I've, Wanted to go back to jujitsu for a long time. And I think I'm finally in a position where I can make that happen. For me, I am someone who hates being touched. Like, you know, when we go to shows and festivals, yeah, I'll snap. We go to VIP for a reason. To all my friends out there who want to go to festivals, you hate being touched. If you hate being sardined in, go fucking VIP. But getting back on the mats with jujitsu, to me, competing and really giving it my all and really training 
that will give my body a beating over time. That's it's it's tough to explain. So, yeah, but I don't think that counts. But I don't. But I don't have any events planned. I'll take it as an answer. Yeah, I'll take it as an answer. I don't know. I I don't I don't have it a specific one in mind either. I know I'm going to do the ultra that I already currently did or that I already did this past year. I'm going to do that again and try to bring a bunch of people out there with me. Um, Is you recruiting me? Yeah, you should do it. I got. I have a bunch of guys. Little Jack from the coffee shop, David from the coffee shop. Yeah, but then who's going to rec- but Nate, who's going to record everything? Nate. Who's gonna record everything. I mean, that's a cop out. But man, uh, that's trash. My buddy, uh, this guy that I recently been, I, I was going to call him my buddy, but I've never met him before. But I just interact with him a lot on Instagram. He said he's going to run a. He said he's going to run across the state of Texas. Might do that. Yep. Might do that. I don't know. I want to find something crazy to do, but um, probably around running. Running is ther- therapeutic. Yeah. Well, my friend, this has been a multifaceted conversation. I think we told a lot of different stories. I think the audience is going to have a lot to take away from this. Uh, whatever your sign off is, whatever you'd like to plug and mind people where to find you, let it rip. Um, I would just think it would be cool. Um, I mean, this conversation, the nature of this conversation was drastically different than the nature of the conversations that I have on my podcast, but it would be cool if you guys check out the podcast. It's a project that I'm, I'm really pouring a lot of love and energy into. Um, it's, uh, it's called the good omen podcast. Honestly, subscribing to the YouTube channel would, would be cool. Um, but it's, it's up on, you could watch it on YouTube. You can also watch it on Spotify, like the Joe Rogan thing, you know, so you can watch it on Spotify. Um, and then obviously you can listen on Apple podcasts, but wherever you watch, please subscribe. Um, you know, give us a rating. Even if you only listen to one episode, just rate it. Um, it does me, it does me a lot of good. So, uh, yeah, that's really the only thing I'm working on right now. Also, don't forget the unofficial sponsor of this show right here. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, buy some coffee. The truth is, like, I mean, here's the deal. If you're somebody that buys coffee for your house anyway, you're not doing me any favors to, like, you know, buy the bag. You already buy coffee, so you may as well just try it. Um, Worst case scenario, you don't have to buy it again. But I think you'll really like it if you do try it. So, yeah, give it a try. And if you do like it, then cool. Then you know that you're supporting somebody that, you know, I've kind of, we've kind of went through core values. We've went through, I mean, it's intention behind the brand, the mission that I'm on. We went through a lot of things and, and you know, if some of that stuff resonates with you, then just know that every bag of coffee that you buy, it kind of helps me propagate some of the things that I'm trying to propagate. So let's say y'all check out the coffee shop, check out the coffee brand. It's been an amazing conversation. I look forward to maybe someday being on your new show. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm glad you came. Glad you came. Oh yeah. I'm at your house. <laughs> I'm glad you invited me. <laughs> All right, y'all. That's it. We're out.